Funny Books with Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. So, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I have uh, had a, a lot of time to catch up on some television. Uh, you know, when you're getting caught up on my stories, as it were. <laughs> stories. And, yeah. My stories. And, uh, Paul, I am current on Yellowstone. And okay. I got to tell you, I fucking hate this season. <laughs> I, I hate everything about this season. This season is terrible. It is definitely not. I feel like it's lost focus. I feel like every bad guy this season is, you know, what Edward G. Robinson, right? Yeah. Uh, they're just, ah, ah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the women bad guys, I feel like they're twirling their mustache. Ah, ah. It is awful. It is awful. And it is as luxury as it can be. You know, the, the whole let's teach the uh, the hippie woman about, you know, being cattlemen. Let's teach them, yeah. you know, why we're better stewards of the land than anyone else. I mean, I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> it's just an awful show. And things happen that just I mean, they they happen in one episode and they have no bearing on the rest of the rest of the the, the season. I'm just. Ugh. Yeah. It's yes. definitely yeah. I'm I'm hopeful because you know, this weekend on January first is the uh, mid season finale. I'm hoping it brings it around uh-huh. and focuses it. But yeah, it it has not been a, it has not been a strong season. Yeah, it is just terrible. By contrast, though, Tulsa King love that show. Yes, Tulsa King is great. I have not started 1923 yet. I have not either. Have not had a chance to do that. Uh, but I'm really enjoying Tulsa King. I think Sylvester Stallone is just marvelous in that, and I'm enjoying all the supporting characters. Uh, uh, I just, I, I really do dig it. I love his little, you know, gang that he's put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, even Bodie, the uh, the hipster weed guy. I just, I just, I, I love all those guys. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And I got to tell you, uh, AMC Plus, the uh, streamer, had a sale. Uh, during the holidays for a dollar ninety nine each month for two months mm-hmm. before it you know ratchets up to seven ninety nine. So I got that because I haven't seen Anne Rice's interview with the vampire yet. Yeah. Uh, I am all but one episode from finishing the first season. It's fantastic. It is so good. It is so much better than the book. It is so much better than the book. I, I can't get over how much better than the book it is. Uh, I'm I'm really digging it. So if, interesting. If, if you haven't caught it, uh, it is very much an updated story. In fact, it takes place during the pandemic. Uh, it really frames it around, uh, you know, current circumstance. Uh, it is very enjoyable and just exquisitely cast. I just it is it is just a really really uh, a lot of fun, uh, which is strange to say if you are someone who has read Interview with the Vampire. Um, yeah, I, but it's I, been so long ago. I mean. God, I was a teenager when I read it. Yeah, I mean, I was in, in college when I read it the first time. And, you know, it was certainly, you know, a new take on vampires. And, you know, I understand why it did the business that it did, but it didn't age well. And, you know, because I tried rereading it a couple of years back and I was like, Ey, you know, <laughs> but uh, it is uh, it, it is a really strong update. I think they, they did a really nice job on it. And I am very excited because AMC is doing a whole Anne Rice's Immortal Universe, uh, um, you know, 
continuity, right? So they're they're doing the Mayfair Witches next, and that's coming in January. So I'm kind of excited for that. And then the last thing that I watched over the holidays that was just awful was the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion. <laughs> I actually enjoyed the Knives Out sequel. Oh man, <laughs> man, I just I, I I stopped 30 minutes in. Oh, it was it was so bad. It was so bad. And now I, I will say you are a reality, more of a reality TV person than I am. And I think it, it's really aimed at people who enjoy that type of, of, uh, of, uh, programming, you know, because, you know, yeah. the characters are all very yeah. much people who are famous for being famous yeah. kind of people. You can and just say it, Aaron, the lowest common denominator. God, I hated it. I hated it. And I love all those actors. I mean, there was not an actor on the screen that I don't like. I just didn't like the characters that were playing. So I hopped out and I loved Knives Out. Uh, Knives Out was a great was a great movie. But boy, I hated this. You know, there's um, since you have AMC Plus now, there's a show on there called Gangs of London. Uh huh. It is excellent, but it is not an easy watch. When you say uh, that, is it just because it's brutal or, or yeah, what? it's brutal. It's, okay. it's brutal and it's violence. It's excessive in everything. <laughs> um, but it is well written and well acted. Cole Meany is in it. Oh, um, I like Cole Meany. So I mean, I, I I quite enjoy it. I mean, it's like a modern. It's it's Gangs of London. It's it's like a gang a gang war show, you know, uh, yeah. taking place in modern day London. And I I really enjoyed it. Season two, um, recently aired. I have not seen season two yet, but uh, I. I Again, it, it's a bit brutal. I, you know, there, some of the episodes and some of the scenes will will make you cringe a little bit. And I know you you have a little bit of a weak stomach. Uh huh. But uh, but it's a good show. Have so, you watched Interview with the Vampire? I have not yet. Oh, it's so good. I did watch Witcher Blood Origin this week though, um, which is the yeah. prequel show for for The Witcher. It's only four episodes and they're all an hour each, so it's is, not even like forty five. Is that the part with Michelle Yeoh? Right? Yes, with Michelle Yeoh. Um, is, and, it, is is that animated? No, no, this is live action. Okay, because I know they did an animated one. At yeah, some the animated point. one was pretty decent too. This, I, I, you know, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's generic. It's your normal sword and sorcery. You know, bunch of people with different skills coming across each other to to tackle a a greater evil kind of thing. But I, I quite enjoyed it. And Michelle Yeoh is great in everything. So right. See, so far what I hear Witcher lately, the only thing I hear is people complaining that uh, Henry Cavill isn't going to be on the next season. Yeah, you know, he's on I, the third season. He's not going to be on the upcoming fourth season that hasn't started filming out. I uh, I uh, have only ever watched like two episodes of Witcher. Maybe even it's, only just one. It may have been one episode that felt like two. <laughs> it is an adequate show. It is uh-huh, adequate. Yeah. So I would say it's pretty good, but hard to get into initially. The first season does a lot of time jumping. So when you're watching it, it's like you'll watch a scene and then the next scene could be 20 years in the past or it could be in the future. And I've had a lot of people say that they were confused and found it hard to follow. Uh, Basically, that first season is adapted, though, from a book that is short stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's an it I can understand why it's popular. I enjoy it. He's great in it. The show, you know, without Henry Cavill, it doesn't feel like there's a need to have a show. Um, just like without Henry Cavill, it doesn't really feel like there's a need to have a Superman movie. <laughs> and because, uh, <laughs> you know, he got, uh, he got I, the big, he yeah, got the Scroogey this uh, I could not this past disagree month. more, Paul. <laughs> I know. It was a good transition, though. Um, you know, we haven't really caught up on this James Gunn DC universe 
all the drama that's happened over the last month or so. It, it just feels like he was handing out pink slips, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, hey, you know, it, it's one of these things uh, like, hey, come come on up to the office. I want to have a conversation with you. And you watch enough people walk out with pink slips. You're like, no, fuck you, James Gunn. I'm not coming to the office. Yeah, you can't fire <laughs> Which me. Which is what I think Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock jo- Johnson did. Yeah. You know, fire me over the phone. <laughs> you know, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to your I'm not wasting a trip to your office to get shit canned. And the hashtags are already flying. Uh-huh. The Snyder bros are out there with their fire James Gunn you know, hashtag. I, for what it's worth, he is made, despite my earlier comment, I feel like he's making the right judgment calls. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, that DC universe, the, the DC extended universe, and despite the fact that I am a Snyderverse fan, it has just been fraught with nonstop drama since Batman vs. Superman, I'd say. Yeah. Like, there's been something. Well, since Man of Steel. I mean, Man of Steel was controversial, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just been drama and, you know, behind the scenes drama that has overtaken anything that's on the screen. Um, there, there, it was just, you, you can't, you can't start something new with that stink on it. So I get why he's doing it. I know there's a lot of unhappy people. Um, I would have loved to have seen more Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck, yeah. but I, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, it seems strange to me that, that there are, Wiping the foundation. They're scraping the foundation of the things that I feel like worked. I understand why they're doing it, but man, if it's true that Gal Gadot is, has been shown the door, uh, that's kind of rough. I mean, the, I, while the sequel was crap, you know, it wasn't the interpretation of the character that was wrong. It was just a, a, sto- a, a story issue, right? Well, and James Gunn has adamantly denied that they've shelved her. He's he's yeah. come out and said the only thing that they did was they said the story that was presented would not fit. Mm-hmm. But he has he has definitely come out and denied shelving her. I, when I look at it from the perspective of somebody who did not like the Snyderverse, I never had a problem with the actors that they picked. And I do think that Cavill really got screwed over in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I do think, though, that he also was a little too old even in the original Man of Steel, they were doing an older Superman for first appearance, but I don't think he could keep playing the role for 10 years if they want to go with a young Superman. No, so I agree. I think it was the right choice. I do think he got seriously screwed over because when they brought him back for Black Adam, the basically the people in charge at the time before they had brought James Gunn and them in told him, OK, start telling people about this, promote it, that you're back as Superman. He didn't just go out and start doing that. He was told to do it mm-hmm. and then has the role taken away from him yep. after he drops Witcher. I mean, overall, he yeah. got screwed over in the whole process. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's it's pretty lousy what happened to him there. I mean, you know, he, he dumped Witcher, you know, anticipating he was making another major motion picture for D.C. And that, of course, is not going to happen. That's yeah. that's really unfortunate. I feel bad for him for that. And you know, I I like Henry Cavill. I think he, I think he's a pretty good Superman. Uh, I would have liked to have seen another. I would have liked to have seen. You know, I see a lot of this chatter online. Why couldn't they have done a Kingdom Come movie to you know use up these characters? And yeah, I would have been down for that. But I also understand they want to start fresh. You know, it, this is yeah. this is. Now you have to do it at some point. You have to, you know, burn it all down and start fresh and investing in one more movie isn't the way to do that. So while it is painful, 
I certainly understand it and respect the move. And, you know, I think I, I fully believe that James Gunn knows how to do this. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm super excited for it. I can't wait for what happens. I just wish there's part of me is like, don't even release that flash movie. You know, you've yeah. already proven yeah. you can, you can eat the, uh, you guys can eat those costs. You know, I, I think you'd be better off just not releasing that damn thing, especially with all the bad press that exactly. he gives you. Honestly, with uh, Cavill, though, I think he hit the ground pretty well because at this point now he's going to another property he loves, Mm -hmm. you know, Warhammer 40K. And he was smart enough and had the pull enough this time that unlike Witcher and Superman, he has creative control over there Mm -hmm. on this property. So, you know, he's had bad luck with having the adaptions not be something he was happy with. Now he has some say in that. So. He'll be fine. It is. I still think he got screwed over, but he landed well. Yeah. And hey, Andrew's not here to talk about Warhammer 40K. So, <laughs> so we dodged that bullet. Right. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, it, I'm curious to see where things are going. I do think these films that are coming out this year, which I guess is um, Flash, Shazam and Aquaman kind of feels like, I don't know, it, it kind of feels like what's the point? You know, it's kind of like watching yeah. a TV show when you know, you know, watching new episodes of a TV show, knowing that it's already been canceled right. and the story will never finish. So it's a bit of a bummer going into this year. But, you know, hopefully they can revitalize that that DC universe because it, it just it has been floundering. And if we can get at least some definitive vision and some action, um, you know, then, then maybe it'll it, it'll all be worth it in the end. I do yeah. think that uh, Jason Momoa as Lobo is a good cast. The only thing that concerns me about it is now I'm going to have to watch a Lobo movie. So, yeah. oh, I want him to bring in Lobo as uh, Superman's first movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I'm too wild about that, but I, you know, I'm I'm eager for uh, what James Gunn's going to do. I, I'm willing to, I'm happy to give him that chance. And you know, I I'm very curious as who all they'll wind up casting for Superman. I, I imagine it'll be somebody very young. Um, you know, I don't, I don't imagine it'll be a Superboy movie, but, uh, I imagine it'll be somebody, you know, in his twenties, uh, picking up Superman. So that they've got a long, long runway with him. Um, well, that's what but, they thought they had with Cavill, right? I mean, he started when he was 29, right? It just, uh, <laughs> they didn't really take advantage of that time period. Well, and you know, they made some choices that hurt them, you know, yeah. They, they they made a a first Superman movie that a lot of people weren't on board with. And so it did not demand a sequel, as you would think. Right. Yeah. And then they made a Batman versus Superman movie that kind of suffered from the same problems. Mm-hmm. And then they made a Justice League movie. I mean, I as much as I enjoy all of those films um, and I think I enjoy them more now than I did then, to be perfectly honest, Um I think that they didn't do themselves any favors by making films that did not uh, make people stand up and cheer and feel good about themselves after they have seen it. You know, I appreciate that they made some some dark and edgy films, uh, but those kind of movies don't just, you know, energize your audience. And that I think yeah. that was their problem. Yeah, I personally hope for an unknown actor for the role. I think that's what you have to do. I don't think you can do this. I, I think you do your stunt casting with the supporting cast. Uh, yeah. I think you, I think you got to Luther. 
Yeah, you got to Christopher Reeve this thing. You know, nobody mm-hmm. knew who Christopher Reeve was when he became Superman. Um, that's what you got to do. You got to make your guy. But hey, you know, uh, speaking of Superman, uh, big Action Comics 1050 came out this week. It uh, did. A yeah. new era rises. Right. I mean, just like Superman, it's rising. Yeah, and so this is kind of like the. I guess it's got like the preview and the start of the creative teams that are taking over the Superman books. Cause so you've got Philip Kennedy Johnson, um, Tom Taylor and Joshua Williamson, who I believe are the creative teams on action comics, the John Kent book and the new Superman book respectively. Yep. Um, and so, you know, it's just kind of a preview of here are the storylines that are coming, but you know, the big thing that happened in this book more so than even a preview is this put the, um, the genie back in the bottle as far as a uh, Superman secret identity. Yeah. And I knew that was coming and I was really curious how they would do it. I think they found a satisfying way to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, you know, first of all, it, they, they, uh, Lex Luthor was the guy who does it. So it's nice that it's the villain who well, puts the genie back in the bottle. Uh, yeah. It's also nice that he did, that he killed Manchester, Manchester black. Uh, in order to do God, it. I hate that character. Same here. Same here. I'm like, man, that's great. If we could just kill more characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate they were willing to kill him off for the story. Yeah. And uh, also that there is a downside to it. Mm-hmm. That if, if anyone thinks about the possibility that Clark could be Superman, they, they stroke out. Yeah. They have a stroke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought it was cool. I also like that, you know, we didn't prolong the issue. Um, Superman takes Lex Luthor out in this same book, and it takes Lex Luthor off the page, at least initially. So, you know, it's it's not let's wait to punish Lex Luthor. It's we're punishing him now. I thought that was really a, 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 a nice bit. But, hey, I'm going to be happy with any comic book where President Superman shows up. Uh, and I, I enjoyed right. that. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, I just I, I love that that you know uh, they've got to go. You know, he's on he's on the search for you know getting John John Kent to uh, help with their with their big issue. Uh, you know, in in the stories that are coming up, I I, I dug that because I I would love a regular monthly book with President Superman. I dig that character really hard. Um, so it was it was that was pretty exciting, and you know we get to see a little bit more uh, Metallo in this issue. Yeah. Um, what I find yeah. interesting about that um, President Superman appearance, mm-hmm. you know, is that it's referring to this storyline where someone's going through the multiverse killing Superman, I guess, is what's happening. Right. And, you know, we talk about this, like how the, the, the circular nature of comic books, because didn't this happen in Spider-Man a few years back? It does or, sound. Yeah. Yes, it feels very <laughs> much like that. Well, it also oh, reminds don't get me, me wrong, the, but yeah, <laughs> it also reminds me of the Kingdom Come sequel. Mm-hmm. That was through time oh, yeah, instead of true. realities, but it was the first thing I thought of was Magog going through time, killing Superman. Well, and apparently, and that's what's happening in Justice Society, right? That someone's going through, I don't know if it's realities or time, killing different Doctor Fates. I think it's real. Uh, I think it's time. I yeah, think it's time because there's a Justice or Justice Society yeah. of the Future. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I, I thought this was a great book. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, you know, if you're going to put the genie back in the bottle, I appreciate that they did it in a story way that wasn't, you know, universe altering, time altering, right. retconning, rebooting. Like, no, there's an in-story it's, continuity thing that occurred that that put that genie back in the bottle. And I like that about it. You know, I like yeah. that, that it didn't it didn't just make things clean. Uh, 
you know, it, it got us back to a, you know, nobody knows that or almost nobody knows that Clark Kent is Superman. But it it does, you know, like Wayne was saying, there are consequences if people find out. Right. Uh, I dug that. I dug that. And I what I a lot of these times and Action Comics has been a book where they've done this many times where they preview the stories that are going to come in this, you know, uh, new normal. And a lot of times it's not very effective. A lot of times you get sort of like the, you know this anthology book that doesn't really uh, that doesn't really wet your whistle for what's going to come. And I thought all of the 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 primer that we got here was terrific. I enjoyed every single one of these. I'm I'm in for all of these new Superman yeah. books. The story I am most excited about at this point. They have really got me bought in on the Metallo story. Uh huh. They did such a good job with the buildup with him and Lex talking and him in prison, his sister, all of that, that I am. I never thought I would be this excited for a Metallo story, yeah. but they've done a really good job of that. Yeah, I, I, I think all of these stories sound good. You know, I've always been a little concerned about uh, what the Superman stories were going to look like with the return of Kal-El. You know, and you're going to have, you know, essentially two supermen walking around uh, Earth. You know, you'll have John and you'll have Cal. And I was a little concerned about that. But I, I think these stories look really interesting and it looks like they're going to do some interesting things with the supporting cast. I'm excited. I think this, yeah, this is a, 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 2023 bodes well for the Superman books. Future covers are hinting at Jonathan getting the uh, electric powers. Yeah, I saw that, too. Yeah. It'd be awesome. Superman blue. But what I'm not so excited about. Well, and let me clarify. I don't know if this is a one shot uh-huh. or a series. It feels like a one shot. But, you know, I think it was announced as part of this DC or Dawn of DC. So who knows? John Stewart, the Emerald Knight. Uh-huh. I didn't care for this book, Aaron. You know, have you been reading the 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 ongoing John Stewart series? I have not. And I do feel like I was lost for yeah. the, there wasn't a lot of like um catching up <laughs> or explanation as to John Stewart's newfound abilities. Yeah, this is a, a continuation of John Stewart doing work in the Forbidden Zone or whatever it's called that the Green Lanterns aren't allowed to go into and where Green Lantern rings and what all don't work. And, you know, so John Stewart has risen uh, to gain these new powers and he's able to form constructs, but without a ring, yada, yada. Um, I like what they're doing with the character. Um, I thought there are parts of this book that I liked, but I didn't need to read this book. Uh, I, there were, I liked the, the conversation between he and Lonar, you know, the, the, the new, new God. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, them kind of, you know, talking about Jon Stewart's path and, you know, the the work that he has yet to do. Again, I didn't think the story was necessarily required reading, but let me tell you what I did like. I liked his the design of his new Green Lantern Corps, for lack of a better word. Yeah. Lack of a better term. I loved how um, their suits were based on. On the Green Lanterns, but they looked a, they looked more like uniforms mm-hmm. than spandex. Um, I liked it. Reminded me a lot of the way John Byrne drew the Fantastic Four uh, when he had his epic run on Fantastic Four, where their uniforms just weren't skin tight. You know, they looked like clothes. 
and that's what the, what these guys uniforms you know obviously they're all physically fit and and whatnot but they just don't look like their clothes are painted on them it looks like they're wearing clothes it looks like they're wearing you know battle fatigues and boy i sure do like the look of it uh i like that they have these you know uh superhero swords that green that john stewart has crafted for them out of his god powers um so I, there's a lot of that that I liked. And I got to tell you, I thought the artwork on this book was really strong. Uh, but the story overall did not jazz me. In fact, I, I tell you, I, I put this down the first time I tried to read it, and I had to come back to it the next day to yeah. finish it. Um, it felt very early on in the book. Like I was, I feel like my decision about the book was made very early on, uh-huh. just based on the writing style yeah, and the story they were telling. I was like, eh, yeah. this is not – you know, now supposedly there will be a, a Hal Jordan book also, so I'll give that one a shot. But I don't know that this is a storyline that I care to continue reading. It, it's not bad. It just was whelming. <laughs> I want I want to read more of John Stewart in this part of his life. Um, like, for instance, the return of Zanshi, you know, I thought was a great move in this book. You know, Zanshi is the world that uh, in the pages of Cosmic Odyssey that John Stewart fucked up and the whole planet dies right in in the the battle with dark side um yep. and you know john stewart has carried that weight you know ever since i mean that is you know, you may have had a, a, a crisis on infinite earths an infinite crisis whatever but he always carried that weight from one continuity to the ne- to the next and i liked that they were playing with that here that the bad guy brings zanshi back at john stewart <laughs> I thought that was great. And the fact that that Zanchi still stands after the bad guy is defeated, I think is really interesting. Uh, so there are kernels of this thing that I really enjoyed that I want to see them do more with. Uh, like yeah, I said, I, I feel w- like the emotional weight of that was brought on by our histor- historical knowledge, not necessarily the writing didn't yeah, sell the no, emotional right. weight of that, you're right. I feel. But, you know, it worked for me. Yeah. And like I said, there are elements of this book that I want to see carry forward. I want to see him do more with. I just want it to be a tighter, more interesting story that didn't. I mean, like this book is it's long. 40, it's 45 pages. pages. Long. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's 40 some pages long. And I didn't feel like it needed to be that long. You know, no. I felt like there was a lot of fat on this book. Um, so I'd like to I like the stories to be told more effectively, um, you know, tighter. Uh and more of those cool uniforms and swords. I dug yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I will say a book that really impressed me this week um, was from Boom Studios and IDW. And you're going to laugh, but it's Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Part 2, <laughs> Issue 1. Um, first of all, you know, the art's by Dan Mora. Um, you know, Dan Mora is also doing the art on the DC book, World's Finest. He was the artist on Once and Future with Karen Gillan. He's also doing the redesign of all the Superman costumes. So he's dude's a busy guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But his art in this book is spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. I mean, there is a, a, you know, a, a fantastic two page spread where with a prison breakout that I was, you know, it's kind of like they have little arrows of how to follow it. And I just love that kind of stuff where you kind of see, it's almost like animation. You see them work their way through a building, but using the panels this book was great. This book was a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm not the big Mighty Morphin Power Rangers fan that Wayne is. I'm the Ninja Turtles guy on the podcast. Um, but I love the way everything was represented. And it was represented in a way that was fun comic book, 
not necessarily the hokey storytelling that we had from, you know, those children's cartoons. This is not necessarily, though it's relatively a family friendly book, it's not a kid's book in the way that those shows you know, are geared towards kids. Yeah, it's updated to the point of people are using guns and there could be some some people killed in the book as you kind of read through it. What I really appreciated was because it starts with a little bit of downtime, we got to see the characters interact with each other and how they kind of pair off. You get the two leaders just, you know, intensely training. You get the two tech characters working on sciencey things. And I really enjoyed those interactions. You know, the uh, you get Tommy and Raphael, the more angry characters out there together. Yeah, I thought that was a great team up. You know, Tommy and Raphael, the 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 way that they kind of connected, because Billy and and um, Donatello make sense. But you know, when Tommy and Raph kind of connected, I was like, okay, I I didn't see that coming, but I like that they are that they're friends. Um, and you know, it it, it features. And I don't remember much about the first one, but it definitely, you know, features this integrated continuity. Um, you know, it's not like Batman Mighty Morphin or Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, where they were on different universes. This is kind of a connected continuity where the villains interact with each other. You know, they're they're kind of living in the same universe. I, it's just a fun book, and if you like either property, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, and someone like me that enjoys both of them, this is this is the best Power Rangers crossover that I've seen. Well, it sounds like that was pretty exciting. And this was actually, you know, really a, a strange week for comics yeah. in that, you know, here we are at the end of the year and they actually released some pretty some pretty strong books this week. So, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week for the first week of the month, we have new issues of Batman and Dark Knights of Steel and Joker from DC Comics. Um, new issue of Star Trek from IDW, continuing continuing the the story um, of Cisco and his new crew. We also get a new Scarlet Witch book from Marvel Comics from Steve Orlando and Russell Donnerman um, and Sarah Pacelli. So pretty pretty solid creative team on that book. I love Sarah uh, Pacelli. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, a new Joe Fixit book uh, written by Peter David. I'm very curious about this book. I am too. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm I might pick that one up. All that and more as we make our way towards the funnies. Very exciting. Very mm-hmm. exciting. Well, you know, in the funnies, not next week, but possibly likely the week after. So you've got some time to send in your recommendations and comments. We'd love to know what you think about the comics in 2022 and the pop culture of 2022. Let us know. We want to hear, but do not, under any circumstances, call 972-763-5903 because we don't have that phone number anymore. Crack me up. No, what you should do <laughs> is you should reach out to us on social media, Geek on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and leave us your thoughts on your favorite comic books, ongoing series, miniseries, graphic novels, movies, television, heroes, villains, supporting characters – all of that. Leave us comments on our social media and we will talk about them on our annual Funnies podcast. And keep an eye on our social media this week for an important reveal. Oh. New information coming oh. at you this week. Oh. On the, the, the IOM Geek social media channels. Very exciting stuff. Well, I look forward to reading that too. Oh, very good. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, uh, you guys have a great and terrific new year, and we will chat at you soon. Right Happy here. New year. On IOMGeek.com. Bye.
Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.